You're listening to a Thorn Creek Weekend Message Podcast. For more audio content and other resources, visit thorncreek.church messages. Hey, welcome to Thorn Creek Church Online. Thank you for tuning in to church service. Appreciate you. We're grateful that you've chosen to be with us. Uh, my prayer is you experience God right where you are watching this video stream. I pray that you have an encounter with God in your living room or your dining room, or maybe you're in your car or your bedroom. Wherever you're at, my prayer is that the Spirit of God meets you there and you are forever changed because you've heard the Word of God. Let's pray. God, thank you for your grace. Thank you for your love. And God, I pray that you move in and through me according to Isaiah 61. Anoint this message. We need you, God. I pray also, Lord, for this horrible virus to go away. I pray that you stomp it out. I pray for healing over every person who has this virus, whether they're at home and they don't know it, or they're in a hospital room in intensive care. I pray, God, for healing over our land physically and spiritually. Would you just watch over our nation, watch over our economy, take care of those, God, whose jobs perhaps are on the line, and would you continue to provide? We need you, Lord, and together we choose to seek your face with all of our hearts. Turn from our wicked ways, as 2 Chronicles 7.14 talks about, and I ask you, God, that you heal our land. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. Thanks for being it at church. Hey, I thought about sharing a little bit of humor with you in light of our circumstances. These are some tweets I came across about the quarantine life. The first one is this, due to quarantine, I'll only be telling you inside jokes. So uh, I'm sure there's a, a laughing across every living room right now with that one. Number two is this, uh, in an unsettling reversal of my teenage years, I am now yelling at my parents for going out. <laughs> Uh, that happened to me. <laughs> My kids are like, where are you going, Dad? Uh, third one is this. You're going to have to give this one a little bit of thought. If there's a baby boom in nine months, it will consist of entirely firstborn children, and which is probably true. Hey, I want to remind everyone of our Thorn Creek prayer time. It's 3.20 p.m. every day, 3.20 p.m. And where that number comes from is our, our Bible verse that happens to be a cornerstone verse at Thorn Creek Church, and it's Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. And that's where that 3.20 time comes from. So we're asking everyone when it's 3.20 p.m., whether you just happen to notice it or maybe you set an alarm at 3.20, we're asking you to say a prayer for your church it, maybe it's just a 10-second prayer, but we want you to pray for your church and pray for your family and pray for our country. And however long it's going to be, maybe it's only 10 seconds or maybe it's an hour, whatever it is, at 3.20 p.m., let's say a prayer wherever you're at. And we're going to keep doing this in the life of Thorn Creek. Um, today, I want to talk to you about the healing of a paralytic man. It's a famous story. We're in this series called Jesus Who. And what we're looking at are stories that redefined who Jesus was 
and is. Sometimes we can put God in a box and we say, God, I know you can do things here, but I don't think you can do things here. And we may not say it out loud, but we can find God. We say, God, I don't know if you can really heal over here, but I know you can bless over here. And the hope and prayer is that you get a broader uh, perspective of who Jesus is. And the title today, we're looking at Jesus who the title is party crasher. And we're looking at four party crashers who did something heroic. And, and it was such an incredible event that it made it into scriptures in three of the gospels. You read about the story in Mark, Matthew, and the gospel of Luke as well. So we're going to look at the gospel of Mark. And here's the story. Mark chapter two, verse one says this. When Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door. While he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat, four of them. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. And the man jumped up, grabbed his mat and walked out through the stunned onlookers. They were all amazed and praised God exclaiming, we've never seen anything like this before. Well, what can we learn from these four party crashers? First thing we learn is this, don't quarantine your hope. Don't quarantine your hope. When you're living a pandemic, it's easy to let fear dominate your mind. You find yourself watching <coughs> coffee, <laughs> reading, whatever it is, and you're looking at these things and, and anything involving the coronavirus, and it's easy to let that dominate your mind and let fear and anxiety take over. The job is uncertain. You go to the grocery store and there's no toilet paper anywhere. The streets are empty when you're driving and uh, whatever, it may be, whatever it may be. And we're learning new phrases like a stay 
at-home order. Now everybody knows what that is. Or social distancing. Now we know what that is. And we let our mind wander and we start thinking of scenarios like, what if? What if something happens and you, you let that fear dominate your mind? Here's our problem. We have convinced ourselves that we are self-sufficient. Before this pandemic has occurred, we felt pretty good about ourselves and our science and our intellect, and we convinced ourselves that we're really self-sufficient, really independent, and we're really pretty smart, but God is going to use this horrible thing for his glory to remind us that we need God. We need him in our lives. When you look at scripture, you see plenty of examples of, of, of diseases and plagues and famines. And now when you read them, they, they mean so much more because we're living in it. When you look in the Bible, you see the greatest movements of God happened when they were in the wilderness or when there was a famine or when they were in the desert, when there was a lack of resources, when there was oppression, when there was persecution, when there was sickness, that's when you saw God move. When the Israelites were up at the border of the Red Sea and they said, we don't know where else to go, that's when you saw God move. When there was a young man that only had a few fish and loaves, that's when you saw God move. You saw God move over and over and over in times of, of scarcity, in times of famine. And this story that we're looking at today falls in line with this. You know, when you're in a tough time, you can expect God to move. And right before this story, I want you to get a good backdrop of this story. Scripture says in Luke chapter 5, but despite Jesus' instructions, the report of his power spread even faster, and vast crowds came to hear him preach and to be healed of their diseases. So this verse tells us that before these four men showed up, Jesus was already a magnet for diseases. He was a magnet for sick people and they were coming to him. So when these four men show up, they, call, they come into a crowd, not of healthy people, but of sick people. But their love is so great for their friend, they go right through it anyway. And verse Mark chapter two, the second part of verse two says this, while he was preaching God's word to them, four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. Let me just say this. If God tells you to do something, do it. If God tells you to do something, do it. Don't put it off. Don't procrastinate. Don't say, I'll do it tomorrow. Just do it when God tells you to do it. When you look at these four men, you have to remember this whole thing started with one, maybe two that said, I have an idea. Maybe they were at home and they were chilling out and they were watching Netflix or whatever it was. And they're at home and they hear Jesus is in town. They know the place where Jesus is at. And someone in one of those four, someone had an idea. And the idea was, hey, let's go get our friend, the paralytic. They knew where he lived. And they could have reasoned through this and said, you know what? It's too crowded. Let's just leave our friend at home. They could have said, you know what, I'm busy, another time, another way. Or they could have had doubt and said, you know what, there's no way Jesus could actually heal him. But someone had an idea. Maybe they texted one and texted the other and texted the other. And together they said, let's do it. Let's take our paralytic friend 
to Jesus and they went to go get their paralytic friend. Scripture doesn't tell us that this paralytic friend called them. They chose to go get him. And when they chose to go get him, and they said, we're going to take you out of this place, and we're going to take you to Jesus, and you never hear a word from this paralytic. They had to work through some things. John chapter 14, verse 27, Jesus says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. And I think about these four guys, and they weren't afraid. They wanted their friend to walk. They wanted their friend to be healed. And they left the comfort of their own homes and literally put their own life in jeopardy to go get their friend, to take, them to, this, to take him to this place where Jesus was at. And Jesus was surrounded by these people who were disease, had diseases, and, but they loved their friend so much, they wanted him to know Christ and to be healed. It takes courage to walk with Christ, but it takes special courage to walk with Christ in a pandemic. It takes special courage to walk with Christ in a pandemic. You know, just recently, this, this last week on Tuesday night, our worship team came together. The worship team that you're seeing on this video, you just need to know that they showed up on Tuesday night. And you know what they did? They left their homes and they came together and they, they worked through a total of 12 songs for you. And they did all these 12 songs so we can build up a database so that we can, so we can lead you in worship wherever you're at right now. And, the, and they did that because they have hope in Jesus Christ. And we believe God is still changing lives. And we believe God's going to use this for his glory. It takes courage to walk with Christ during a pandemic. Don't lose your hope. Don't quarantine your hope. Jesus said in Matthew chapter six, therefore do not worry about tomorrow for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. It reminds us that every day is a gift, isn't it? Every day is a gift from the Lord. Today, we understand that maybe even more than ever. But I want you to know every day is a gift. Let me put it this way. Don't regret yesterday because you were fearful of tomorrow. Don't regret yesterday because you were fearful of tomorrow. Don't do that. Don't live with that kind of regret. Put God first every single day. Read God's word every single day. Seek him every single day. Be obedient to him every single day because life is precious. Every day is a gift from God. Don't quarantine your hope. Number two is this. Don't quarantine your faith. Don't quarantine your faith. These four men chose to live out their faith. Mark chapter two, verse four says this. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. Remember, many of them are sick. So they dug a hole through the roof above his head. Then they lowered the man on his mat right down in front of Jesus. You think that surprised Jesus? I'm sure it surprised all the, the crowd, the audience, the onlookers. But here's what they did. They found a way. They found a way. Let me just say this. For some of you, the only thing that's stopping you from going to the next level in your walk with God is you have to be willing to find a way. If you want to know Jesus Christ, you could know him. If you want more of God in your home, 
you could have more of God in your home. If you want to know God's purpose in your life, you can find a way. God loves it when there's a tenacious spirit that says, I'm not going to let anything come between me and my God. I'm going to find a way. And it pleases God. Don't you find it interesting that these four men took this paralytic and, and, and there wasn't like a, a, a part, a, you know, a separation where they just walked right through to the, feet of, to the feet of Jesus. Don't you find it interesting that God didn't make it that easy for them? Someone in the group said, dude, I have an idea. Let's go through the roof. Someone said, let's do this differently. Let's find a way. And God rewarded that way. He dug a hole and they lowered him probably with fishing ropes and they lowered him. These are courageous friends. I want to give you another perspective of this coronavirus and how God is working. Our church staff has been forced to redo and rethink and re-strategize on how we do ministry. We're using a church platform called Online Platform from Life Church. It's out of Oklahoma. Last weekend, around 9.15 a.m., churches literally broke the internet. There were so many churches using this platform that apps and sites across the entire internet were affected by this global movement. Facebook Live, YouTube, BoxCast, Zoom, and others crashed or had failures right at this time. And get this, over the past nine days, there have been over 43,000 salvations on the, ch- on the church online platform. Praise God. Praise the Lord. God is working. He's doing a miraculous thing. Let's go back to the story. Look at verse five. Verse five says this, seeing their faith. Jesus said to the paralyzed man, my child, your sins are forgiven. Whose faith is seen? Scripture says, Jesus says, seeing their faith. It wasn't the paralytic. It was the four friends. Seeing their faith, Jesus turns to the paralytic and says, my child, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are forgiven. You need to hear this. Sometimes you need to loan out your faith. Sometimes you need to loan out your faith. Maybe it's a friend or family member or coworker, and they don't believe in God anymore, or they don't believe God cares, or they don't believe God forgives, or they don't even believe God exists, or whatever it is, or they don't believe God's hearing their prayers, or they, maybe they believe in God, but they believe he's a distant God. Your faith can impact their life. Sometimes you need to loan out your faith These four men, these four men had faith. And because of their faith, their friend was forgiven and eventually walked. This paralytic was not looking to be healed. He couldn't move, but he could think. He spent much of his life in a horizontal position. And maybe he had some anger inside. Maybe he had some resentment in in his heart. Maybe he was bitter. Do you know anyone who just has a bitter heart and resentful and full of anger and lives with this low level of anger all the time? 
Maybe he just felt like God doesn't care about him anymore. Maybe he had lust in his heart. You know, you could have lust in your heart and not move anywhere. You can be in one position and just have lust in your heart, wherever you're at. Whatever the condition was, these four friends had faith. And they said, we're not gonna leave our friend there. We're not gonna leave him behind. You see, God knows your thoughts. Your thoughts matter to God. And the thoughts in your mind, whether you're lying down in bed or you're walking around the house or you're driving down the road, your thoughts matter to God. God wants you to be holy. God wants you to live a righteous life. God wants you to have clean hands and a pure heart before him. That's what God wants and God knows your thoughts. Here's the truth. The statistics are pretty good. One out of one, none of us will live forever. Pretty good stats. We didn't need a virus to tell us that, but the virus has reminded us of how precious life is and how we're not, we're not invincible. I like what C.S. Lewis said. I'm reading, I'm reading one of his books called Present Concerns right now. And, and he, he, ironically, he's writing during the day of the atomic bomb. And during the day of the atomic bomb, he says this, those who want heaven most have served earth best. When you have your sights on heaven and you're living in such a way that your life is gonna matter in eternity and you make decisions today that honor God, you will live better on earth. You'll be better in your family. How do you wanna spend your days? Second Chronicles chapter seven, verse 14 says this, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and will heal their land. You know, God has the ability to heal this entire land just like that. He has the ability to just squash this thing right now. But he wants us to turn to him with all of our hearts and seek his face and say, God, I want you more than anything else. I want your will for my life. God wants all of you. God wants you to know him. God wants you to surrender to him. And he wants your heart more than anything else because he knows what's at stake. Jesus tells the paralytic man, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. Now remember that paralytic man is lying down on a mat because of his friends put him down there. And Jesus, all he tells him is, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. Now first he says, your sins are forgiven. Then he says, stand up, pick up your mat and go home. That takes faith. To get up is a test of faith. To take your mat and go home is a demand of obedience. That paralytic man had to choose obedience at that very moment. God wants your obedience. God wants your obedience. Sometimes obedience is, is not necessarily a commandment, like one of the Ten Commandments, it certainly is. But sometimes obedience is, I want you to go spend time in reading my word right now. Or I want you to exercise grace towards that person. Or I want you to love someone. Or I want you to risk doing, and some, you know, those small moments where there's nobody applauding us, those small moments matter to God. Don't dismiss the small moments of obedience. Those moments are character building moments and God will reveal his will for your life when you obey in those small moments. 
And the third thing I want you to hear is this. Don't quarantine your love. Don't quarantine your love. These four friends loved their paralytic friend. They could have stayed in their homes and not gone to get their paralytic friend. They could, have, they could have gone themselves to go see Jesus perform these miracles with this mass of people that was there and he was healing the sick. They could have gone by themselves to go see the concert, to go see the show and left their paralytic at home. And while they were there, they could have been thinking, why didn't we bring our paralytic friend? You ever done that before? You go to church and you're like, oh, this message would be great for so-and-so. Oh, this message, I sure wish he could listen to. Oh, I sure wish he could. Oh, this would be perfect. But you never invited them. We have a responsibility to bring others along in our relationship with God. Don't quarantine your love. Don't do that. Their love for their friend was greater than their fear of infection. Let me say that again. Their love for their friend was greater than their fear of infection. They just loved their friend. They just loved him. God needs Christians whose love is greater. Don't live a life of fear. Live a life of love. Not afraid of disease. Not afraid of illness. Not afraid of infection. Not afraid of the future. God needs Christians who live that courageous life of love. He needs that. Real friends love you enough to do the hard stuff. Real friends. And let me just say this about quarantine life. Don't lose your love while you're quarantined. We come together as a family under one roof. For some of us, that might be hard. We're not used to being together that long. We run into each other and you're in the kitchen again or you're sitting in the living room. You're watching TV. I wanted to watch TV or you're in this, you're, whatever it is, we're running into each other and people are seeing us and our moods and our temperaments and our attitudes more often. And you have to be mindful of that. Don't be irritable. Not fun to be around. Don't be cranky. Instead, take this time to be with each other. Have a time every day. We'll say, hey, let's come together and let's read scripture and let's pray. Let's read scripture and let's pray. Let's seek God together. Don't make quarantine life miserable for your family. Ask God to do a special work inside of you. The greatest picture of love is what Jesus did for this paralytic. Mark chapter two says this. So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has the authority on earth to forgive sins. Then Jesus turned to the paralyzed man and said, Stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. You know that word authority, it means right and power. Only here in the Gospels is the forgiveness of sins attributed to the Son of Man. I want you to hear this. The kingdom of heavens finest hour is when grace came down. The kingdom of heaven, finest hour is when grace came down. His name is Jesus. He left heaven on the account of us because of our sin. He left heaven and he came down so that we can experience the forgiveness of our sins. It's God's passionate desire to have a love relationship with us. 
And Jesus says your sins are forgiven. Why is that a big deal? If you look in the Old Testament, specifically in Luke chapter four, or excuse me, Leviticus chapter four and five, you, you see what's known as the expiatory sacrifices. And these are sacrifices, these are instructions for people if you sin. So in the Old Testament, when you see this, there's this prescription. And the prescription is, you need to sacrifice an animal for your sin. It doesn't take away your sin permanently, but it's kind of like a band-aid approach. And so you have all these instructions on what to do depending on what type of sin. There's unintentional sins. There's a sacrifice for if a high priest sins. There's another sacrifice for if the entire Israelite community sins. There's another sacrifice for if one of Israel's leaders sins or if they touch something that is ceremonially unclean, if they defile the Lord's property, if they've done something unintentionally or if one of the citizens of Israel's sins. And right here, you read Jesus just looks at this guy and says, your sins are forgiven. Everyone around him is saying, who do you think you are, Jesus? That's not the way it works. Read Leviticus. That's not the way it works. And Jesus just looks and says, your sins are forgiven. Jesus, hear this, Jesus inaugurated a new day of grace. It's a new day of grace. You don't no longer have to bring an animal or any kind of that sacrifice. Now you, all you have to do is turn to Jesus with all of your heart, mind, and soul and turn to him and say, Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for my sins. I ask you to take all of me and I want to give you my life. Come into my heart, be my Lord. And scripture says that you can experience the forgiveness of your sins. It doesn't matter what you have done. There is no sin too great that God cannot reach. There is no sin too great that God cannot forgive. Romans chapter 6 reminds us, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. That scripture reminds us that all of us are sinners in need of the grace of God. And the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. God extends his grace towards us. God wants you to know his love. God wants you to know his love in your home. Let me tell you how God's using this, ep this pandemic. I have a friend of mine who's a pastor in Durango, and he just shared this with me, shared this with us. He said that they were setting up for church with a skeleton crew to do virtual church online. So they were practicing during the week. And while they were practicing during the week, there was a woman who came knocking on their door. And my pastor friend had a conversation with, him, with her and said, look, we're really not doing church. We're just setting up, we're, we're, we're recording for church services. And she said, is it okay if I come in and listen? So she came in and listened and she kept her distance <laughs> from everyone. She came in and listened. And while she was there, something was happening inside of her heart. They went through the whole service. And that very next Sunday, this woman got saved. This woman accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. See, God is using this pandemic to bring people to himself. He wants us to seek him with all of our hearts. Let me ask you this question. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? For some of you, maybe you've grown up in church and you know all the right answers. You don't need another Sunday school class. You don't even need another Bible study. You just need to humble yourself before God. Do you remember the day when you used to seek him with all of your heart? 
God wants you to seek him like that again. Do you remember the day when you met with him? And do you remember that day? God wants you to seek him with all of your heart because he loves you and he cares about you. Do you remember that day when you undeniably experienced his presence? Oh, don't forget that day. Don't forget that day. God wants you to see him. God wants you to know him. God wants all of you. Who is Jesus to you? Maybe you haven't been to church in a long time. Maybe your attitude is, you know what? I'm a Christian and I don't need church. Maybe your attitude is, I already know everything about church. I know what to expect. I already know scripture. So all I'm going to do is I'm going to read scripture in the privacy of my home and I'm going to listen to podcasts or video streams and I'm not going to go to church at all. Maybe you've become a self-sufficient Christian. I just want you to know that that's not the kind of church that God had in mind. That's not the kind of church that Jesus went to the cross for. We need each other. We'll eventually come back together. We'll eventually have to work through our fears when we do come back together. When we go out, we'll eventually have to work through all of those things. But you need to remember, God did not give you a spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind. Don't quarantine your faith. Don't quarantine your hope and don't quarantine your love. Who is Jesus to you? Romans says this, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. As scripture says, anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. And I love that. It says that scripture says, anyone who believes in him will not be put to shame. Another version says, will not be disappointed. I can tell you, God will never let you down. Jesus will never forsake you. Jesus will never leave you. He loves you. He cares about you. He cares about your life. This is not wasted time. This is not wasted time. God wants you in your home or wherever you're at to seek him with all of your heart. Maybe that means going into your bedroom and closing the door and falling to your knees and saying, God, I want all of you. I want you to take a hold of me. And you just seek him with all of your heart in your bedroom. And you say, Lord, have your way inside of me, God. Do what you want. And you start searching him and you read scriptures and you find a way to make time with the Lord. You find a way to pursue him. Be like these four men who took their friends, the paralytic. They showed up and it was a packed house. But one of them said, let's go through the roof. God will bless you for that kind of tenacious obedience. God will bless you when you seek him with all of your heart. God will bless you. God wants all of you. He wants to be your greatest desire in your life. He wants to be your greatest desire. He wants you to want him more than whether or not your favorite NFL team is playing on Sunday. He wants you to want him more and want him to just come down on you and say, God, I need more of you. I'm not gonna become complacent, God. I want more of you in my life. Jesus, take a hold of me. Jesus, have your way inside of me. Take my life, Jesus, and I wanna live for you. Do it for the glory of God. God loves you and God cares about you and life is fragile. 
I don't know where you're at right now, but you have an opportunity right now to turn to God. You have an opportunity right now to turn to Jesus Christ. You have an opportunity right now where you're at to say, God, I want more of you. Maybe you consider yourself a Christian, but maybe your love is quarantined. Or maybe you, you are, are, are just this kind of person where if there's no way, you say, well, I tried, but maybe God is calling you to find a way, to find a way. Maybe your, your hope has been quarantined or maybe your faith has been quarantined. I want to encourage you to just bust down the walls and be obedient to God. However he wants you to move, just say, God, I'm going to trust you and I'm not going to live in fear. I'm going to live in faith. I'm going to walk by faith and I'm going to trust you. I'm not going to fear infection. I'm not going to fear disease. I'm not going to fear a plague. I'm going to live for you because heaven is greater because heaven is greater. Can you live like that? Can you make that decision right where you're at? Some of you, it's been a long time and maybe you feel like you're far from God and God is calling you and he's stirring your heart and he's telling you, I need you to turn back to me. And this is an opportunity you have to turn back to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart and be my Lord and be my savior. I wanna give you that opportunity. Let me pray for you. Right where you're at, let me pray for you. I know it's really hard and it's tempting not to pray because there's a lot of things going on. But I wanna encourage you to close your eyes and bow your heads and maybe say this prayer. Jesus, right now, first of all, I ask you to come into my heart to be my Lord and Savior. Forgive me for my sins. I confess with my mouth and I believe with my heart, Jesus, that you are Lord. Others of you might need to say this. God, forgive me. Help me to live a courageous life of faith. I don't want to quarantine my hope. I don't want to quarantine my faith. I don't want to quarantine my love. I want to live for you. So have your way in my heart. Others of you might need to say this, Jesus, change me. Some of you need to say this, Jesus, I am spiritually paralyzed and I need you to raise me. I need you to lift me. I'm paralyzed with fear. I'm paralyzed with lust. I'm paralyzed with sin. I need you to forgive me and I need you to raise me. Have your way in my life. It's in your name, Jesus, we say all of this. Amen. Each year, thousands of Thorn Creek Church messages are downloaded for free. This ministry is generously supported by Thorn Creek Church members and listeners like you. If you'd like to support this ministry, please consider making a tax-deductible donation by visiting thorncreek.church/give.